Welcome to the teaching ministry of Elevation Church. Today we will hear from our lead pastor, Dave Carroll, as we continue the series, Marriage Under Construction, with a message entitled, Shacking Up. Let's join in now. We are in John chapter 4, and we are going to look at the message, Shacking Up. And and I'm here to tell you that today, that there is one big idea. And if you're taking notes, you can look on the back of your program today. There's a, a message outline. It's there for you to take notes, for you to remember it. Maybe you could review it. You could possibly even give it to someone who needs it. But uh, the big idea for today is God's plan for all men is to be a one-woman man. How many women? One. And, and, and his plan is also for all women to be a one-woman a one guy, woman. Yeah, I knew I was going to, you know, I practiced that five times. Just, and, I, and I said, you know, if I think I'm going to mess up, I'm going to stop. But to be a one guy, woman. And that's the big idea today. It, and, and this is so counterculture to everything that is going on in America. Um, I, I read a bunch of statistics, and rather than just barraging you with statistics about it, let me sum them up for you. Pretty much in America now, the, the way to do relationships is to have sex, to live together, um, to, to experiment with opposite sexes, to do all this. And it's becoming so prevalent now that we're even trying to make laws as a country. It, it's a hot, hot topic, and, and it's being raised as, as if it's a race. And I'm here to tell you today that God's Word says very specifically what He intended with for the issue of marriage between a man and a woman. Amen? Can I get an amen in the room today? And, and I know that if you're here today... And maybe you're, you're one of those folks who has become sympathetic. Before you get mad at me, I just want to say this. Hello, my name is Dave Carroll. I'm the lead pastor of Elevation Church, and I'm your friend, okay? Uh, I, I'm your friend, and I'm not here um, to, to throw a bunch of daggers and to beat people up, but I do know this. Heavy on my heart and heavy on God's heart is the issue of marriages. See, everybody's worried about um, spreading the fingers of marriage and, and saying, hey, what, what can marriage be? And if we, if we all could just agree this morning, we're having trouble keeping marriage together, just the basic thing, aren't we? And, and so why don't we draw back in for just a second and look at what it takes to keep a marriage together. Um, everybody, look at Hebrews uh, chapter 13. In verse 4. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 4. This is, this is kind of what's guiding our talk today. It says this. And you know what? And it's up there on the screen. So let's, let's all read it aloud. Ready? One, two, three. Marriage is honorable among all. Among, among who? All. That's right. And the bed undefiled. But fornicators and adulterers, God will what? Ooh, ouch. You know, we want God to do a lot of stuff, but we don't want him to judge us. But um, those of you who are parents in the room, you know this. When you act as a judge to your kids, you're really trying to help them, aren't you? And this is exactly what God is doing when he brings the concept of judgment. This is one of those areas of sexuality and marriage that is for our good. When we honor the Lord with marriage, his idea is for marriage for the marriage bed to be kept pure. Now, I know that many of you, in fact, statistically, most of you in the room say, uh, Dave, too late. <laughs> I've, I've already blown it here. Uh, what am I going to do? Well, here's the awesome thing. Remember how we talked about in worship how God is faithful? Isn't that an amazing thing that he's faithful? He can take your life 
and he can make all things new from this day forward. Isn't that a great promise about God? He is not in the business of condemning you. That's not the point of his judgment. The judgment is there to kind of nudge you just a little bit and poke you and go, oh, ooh, but he pokes you back into the center of his flow, to the center of his will in your marriage, or, or if you're in the situation where you're living together and maybe you're stuck, you're, I don't know what to do. I don't know my way in or out. I don't know whether to stay, whether to go. I don't know what's happening. And in the middle of all this, I don't know if my, in my broken marriage or whether I'm trying to pursue this relationship the world's way through like kind of just testing and seeing and taking a lot of time. I, I don't know where to go, and I don't even know if I can see God in the middle of this. Well, here, here's the good news today. As we explore John chapter 4 today, we're going to see what it takes to see God right in the middle of your broken relationship. And here is a great truth. You can see God, and he can change your heart. He can save your marriage. He can take the situation that you jumped into too early apart from his will, defiling the marriage bed, and he can make you pure again. What an amazing thing. And and so um, here's really what's at stake today. Check this out in your notes. Spiritual and and, uh, earthly fatherlessness. Now, check this out. This is going to blow your mind. I heard this while I was gone, and I was like, ooh, this is making it into the message. America is now at the point where many surveys say, and even if they're close, even if they're just barely off, this is craziness. More children are being born out of wedlock. This is from Greg Laurie's book, Hope for America. This is where you find this. More children are being born out of wedlock than they are inside of marriage in our country today. What's happening is this is resulting in a state of fatherlessness. Because people are choosing to, shacking, to shack up. You see, it's either like they're becoming roommates and, and resisting marriage, or they're jumping into marriage too quickly and becoming roommates. Do you see what I'm saying? You get, you get where it's going. And, and so, look, check this out. The dad ends up becoming invisible to the kid. And here's what happens statistically. I, I told you I wasn't going to give you a bunch of statistics earlier, but I want to share these uh, four with you because they're huge. 71% of all high school dropouts the guy or the lady or the, you know, the girl did not have a dad, didn't have an engaged dad. 95% of all homeless and runaway children, no dad, no dad. 85% of all teenagers in prison, no what? No dad. 63%, and this is big for Montana, 63% of all youth suicides, no what? No dad. And you see, we've wandered from God's plan, and we've tried to do marriage relationship our own way. In fact, for many of you, I would ask you this question to ponder during the message. If your marriage is in serious trouble, or or maybe you have some serious disconnect going on, did you start it out apart from God's plan and, and never come to him and ask for forgiveness? Have you never made that right? Because that's a starting point, but we're going to look at that today. Just a question to throw out. So here's your next blank. The issues of marriage and sexuality are the hardest to obey God in. They really are. Uh, some of you guys, I'm here to tell you, I know we talk about pornography here and there, but you know what? I feel for you guys, and I feel for all guys because it used to be that we, you know, 30, 40 years ago, you had to physically go identify yourself at the corner store, right, to go get some porn. 
And now every day it's bombarded. Uh, it's even now to a little device we, we carry called a phone. They just shove it right to your phone on every single app you have, on every single internet page, and it's destroying marriages. You know, ladies are getting emotionally connected to, to guys that they really don't know, but they're just nicer than their husband uh, here on this thing called Twitter and Facebook and messaging and, and all these things. And, and we're really getting pressured. And, and you know what? Sometimes it's, it's not your fault. I want to tell you that. It's not your fault if you've given into that. But I can tell you this. It is your responsibility. Sometimes it is your fault. Sometimes not. But it is your responsibility to choose to make the right decision, to not get involved with that, and to give your spouse your best. If you're single, that means staying out of ungodly relationships, doing relationships God's way. If you're married, that means devoting 100% of your attention to your spouse. And so um, I hope you're in John chapter 4 by now. Um, We're going to pick it up at verse 13. And uh, here's what's going on. Jesus just got done with some ministry, right? He's kicking off his ministry. Uh, He has to go from Judea. We know that Judea is in the south end of Israel, right? And he has to go all the way up to Galilee, which is in the north end. Sometimes I show you a map today. I'm just going to ask you to kind of picture that in your mind, do an Iron Man type thing, right, and just throw it up there. You have... um, you have Judea to the south, Galilee to the north, and Jesus has to go from the south to the north of Israel. And most of the time, Jews would go around uh, Samaria, which was in the middle. But today, you know, this one day, he says, you know what, I'm going to go through Samaria. I think I have something I have to do. And here we get one of the awesomest passages in the Bible that reveal who, uh, reveals who God is, but it also um, gives us God's heart toward reconciling things that are broken and, and people who are hurting and people who are lost and people who are struggling. God is, he's after that kind of person. Don't think today, if you don't have it all together, don't think, oh man, I'm, uh, you know what, I have to be, uh, I don't know if I can ever get this relationship with God because I'm too far away. No, Jesus pursues this lady who doesn't have it all together. Isn't that good news today? It's awesome news. And, and so what he does is he leaves his disciples. His disciples are probably like, huh? He walks up to this well. It was Jacob's well, by the way, the same Jacob in the Old Testament. And he w- approaches this Samaritan lady, which you have two things going on. Here's a guy talking to a lady, kind of odd, right? And then you have a Jew talking to a Samaritan, kind of odd, right? And, uh, and, and he says, hey, can I have a drink? And she's like, uh, this is weird. Uh, I don't know what's going on. And uh, she says, well, I don't know. And then he interrupts her and he says, hey, if you really knew what was going on, you would ask me for a drink. And she looks at him and she's like, this is weird. You don't even have a pail. This well was 140 feet deep. The water came up about 80 foot high for those of you who are into wells. All right, so the, the, that tells, let's see, 130 minus 80. That means the rope had to be 50 foot long. And, and here this, Jesus is asking this lady for a drink of water. What's up with that? Well, we pick it up in verse 13, and I want to read this. And I also want to talk a little bit about the Samaritan woman here as we go. But here's what happened. Verse 13, just read it silently as I read it aloud. We're going to read all the way through 26. Jesus answered and said to her, whoever drinks of this water, that's the water in the well, will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. The woman said to him, sir, 
give me this water. Don't you want something like that today? Where you're not thirsty in this life, something that satisfies is found in Jesus. Found in Jesus. It says, uh, she says this, that I might not thirst nor come here to draw. She didn't even want to do the work anymore. She said, this would be great. But Jesus said to her in verse 16, go call your husband and come here. Uh-oh. <laughs> Uh-oh. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. This is important. Who is Jesus? Jesus is God. He knows everything. You can't fake him out today. You can't do it. Check out what happens. Jesus said to her, you have said, you have well said, I have no husband. For you have had how many husbands? Five husbands. And the one whom you now have is not what? Your husband. Is not your husband. We're going we're to go through this. I got a great illustration that will help you understand that. And that you spoke truly. The woman said to him, sir, I perceive you're a prophet. Good job, lady. <laughs> Our fathers worshiped on this mountain. And you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither worship on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. Worship the Father. You will worship what you do not know. Or you worship what you do not know. We know that we worship for, um, for the salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming, and now is, that when, uh, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. We're almost done. We've got three more verses. God is, what's that word? Spirit. For those of you who are wondering who God is today, God is spirit. God is not a man. He expresses himself in three persons, but he's not a man. He's spirit. And those who worship him must worship him in what? Spirit and truth. Good job. The, the woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming. Are you seeing what's happening here? As, as her sin is revealed, the truth of God is illuminating in her life, isn't it? You see what's going on? She, she's, getting, she's getting skewered a little bit. Oh, ow, oh, yeah, that's my life. Oh, but as she begins to uh, ad- admit to it, which we find out later, we're not going to read it, but she pretty much fesses up to the whole village what happened. She begins to understand who God is, and this is really important for those of you today who are struggling to see God and you're struggling in your relationships. Very important principle. Um, But here's what happens in verse 25. The woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming who is called the Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Boom. She sees Jesus clearly. She sees who who Jesus is in full. Now, in your blanks there, there are two musts in conforming to God's plan for marriage. Whether or not you're inside of marriage or outside of marriage at this point in time, whether or not you're inside or outside, the first is this, agreeing with God on sin. Agreeing with God on sin. Now, uh, what am I holding in my hand right now? I got a, can you see it? It's an apple, everybody, it's an apple. Um, Anybody hungry? No? Okay. Um, I want to read through uh, back verse 17 and 18. And instead of the word husband, I want us to say apple out loud every time we come to the word husband. Okay? Are you ready? Are you tracking with me? Okay, good. Here's what it says. The woman answered and said, I have no what? Apple. Jesus said to her, you have said well, I have no. For you have had five 
apples, <laughs> and the one whom you have now is not your, <laughs> in that you spoke truly. Now, if you catch this, if you substitute apple for a second, that last one, it wasn't that the person wasn't a husband. Jesus was saying, the one you have now is not your husband, but guess what? The guy was a what? A husband. You see, if you're outside of marriage, whether or not you're living together with someone or maybe you're having sex outside of marriage, before marriage, fornicating, that's from Hebrews 13, or you're having, having an affair inside of marriage, that's adultery. Jesus was saying, no, that guy's a husband. He's somebody's husband. Whether or not he was married right then, I don't know. The Bible doesn't really say. But somebody, someday, somehow, whether or not it was then or sometime in the future, that guy was a husband. And he's saying, you know what you're doing? You're stealing something that's not yours. Because if you, if you take an apple, he said, you've had five apples. And in fact, the apple you have now is not whose? Yours. Ah. But you know what's happening? It's stealing. It's stealing. It's robbing someone else from, and their future spouse. Even if you think it's going to work out, hey, listen, I've heard story after story after story. I've been in ministry 17 years of people who have taken the bite of the apple that isn't theirs. They've stolen it, thinking, oh, it's not my apple now, but it's going to be my apple. It's going to be. I just know it. Only to find out that for some reason the apple's taken away. Do you know that over two-thirds of all people who start out living together are not together at all within five to seven years statistically? Some, some studies say even higher. Do you know that when you do that, you've not only messed up your, for your future spouse, but you've also messed it up for someone else's future spouse by taking something that's not yours. It's agreeing with God and sin. And anytime we dabble into adultery or, or we get into pornography or we get emotionally attached to someone who is not our spouse, it's a little bit of sin and it's stealing something that is not ours. And here's the thing. God has given you, if you're married in the room today, God has given you the exact perfect spouse he intends for you to live the rest of your life with. He has done that. Believe that. And you may say, Dave, you don't know my marriage. You don't know how bad it's gotten. Well, you're right. I don't. But I do know this. I do know how good God's plan is. I do know God's way. I've tried it. I've tasted it. The one that he gave me, the, my apple, my wife, Amy Carroll. And I can tell you this, through thick and thin, our goal is to make it all the way through life. And, and if you're in the room today and, and, and you're not married I can tell you this, if you wait, if you hold out and do it God's way and, and, and you don't shack up and you don't do it the world's way and, and you don't try to test it all out, I'm here to tell you this, God has the best spouse, the best husband, the best wife waiting for you if you'll just be patient. If you'll just be patient. And so that's what's going on. Here's the deal. The more we agree with God on the details of sin, all the way down to the details, any time that you rob your spouse or you rob someone else's future spouse or your future spouse, the more you can agree with God on the details and really be, be, be down to the, the nuts and bolts of what he asked for in relationships, and that's abstaining from sex outside of marriage, 
Why? I know you're adults. I'm an adult. And you go, I'm an adult. I can do that. Well, it's because here's the next thing, point number two. The more you agree with him, the more it shows he is your authority. And this is the second must in conforming to God's plan. You must agree and recognize God as the authority in my life. Look at verse 25. It was after the woman recognized the sin that the woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming. He was called the Christ. She knew that this is the one coming who would forgive sin, who would call people to holiness, God's perfect standard. And she says, when he comes, he will tell us all things. And then the light bulb clicks on for a second. Wait a second. This guy standing across from me at the well just told me all things. He revealed to me. And and Jesus, seeing the light bulb coming on, says, I'm the guy you're talking about. Let me ask you this. Are you your own authority in your life? Do you make all the calls? Or, or have you really, truly surrendered to God? And, and, and what I mean by this, do you give in to stupid stuff? Do you give in to fights with your wife, fights with your husband? Do you, do you give in because you feel like it and your emotions are guiding everything you do? Do you give in because there's a hobby that you've put above your wife? And truly, you've probably put it above God, too, and your hobby rules the world. Uh, what's your authority? Is your authority your kids? Hey, my kids are dictating what I'm doing. You see, all these things, they're, they're not necessarily bad things in and of themselves, but they're not God, and they really have no authority, and they're not long-lasting. God is asking you to put him at the top and to put him number one and, and to let his word guide your actions, to let his word, no matter how you feel, become the, the compass, if you will, to point you to true north so that when trouble hits, you're going to act and do God's will even when it's hard. Is God on top? Is he? Ask yourself that. Is he? Well, hey, I want to give you some practical options here just for a second. Check this out. You may be saying, Dave, I get it. I need to agree with God with sin. Okay, some of you in the room are saying, I've been dead wrong. You know what? I've been treating my spouse like dirt. I've been, I've been taking the apple I have, and I've been chunking on the ground and bruising it and beating it. But you know what? No longer, I get it. I, I need to agree with God that sin. Pick it up. Dust it off. Shine it up. And start treating the apple God's given me like the, you know, like the, the princess in my life or the prince in, in the lady's life. But here are the practical things. If you are living together or shacking up, there are two practical steps of obedience. These are your next planks. Number one, move out. If at all possible, move out. Agree with God. If you agree with God, it requires action. And, and, and we're going to get, I know there's a question, there's a big question for those of you who are not married right there, and we're going to get to that one. <clears throat> you know what? You may be saying, what about finances? What about this? Or what about that? What about the electric bill? What about Johnny, little Johnny? What about little Janie? I don't know. But if it's at all possible, move out. Meet God there. Because remember, what was the chief thing we talked about in worship? The God's attribute we worshiped him for today was he is what? Starts with the F. He's faithful. You see, until you begin to understand that God is faithful, you're never going to test him a little bit to go, God, if I do it your way, are you going to be faithful on the backside? He will be. Check it out. Second one is, if you can't move out, or even if you can move out, stop sexual intimacy until you're married, either with that person or the next one. Just stop. That's all. That, there's not much else to say about that. But here's the bonus point. It's not in your program. After you do step one, 
And two, or at least two, here's the bonus. During that time where you're abstaining and do it God's way, pray and decide if marriage is God's will. Making one mistake, sinning once doesn't constitute sinning twice, right? You get it? But pray and decide. And and I want to challenge you today. If you're in the boat and I'm talking to you and maybe you're squirming and, oh, man, this is a tough one. Come talk to Pastor Fred or I. We would love to talk with you after the service. We'll stay as late as it takes to talk with you. Give us an email. Give us a call during the week. And this goes, that, that same um, thing goes for this next group. If you're, if you're here and, for, and you're married, here are three practical steps that you need to do as a result of recognizing sin and making God the authority. This shows it. These, these things show it. This is how you apply it. Number one, make your relationship with your spouse a spiritual one. Do you want to know what? There is incredible unity. You may, you may go, Dave, no, 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 you're not, you're not, it can't be true. There's incredible unity in cracking open a Bible with your spouse and reading it together. You don't have to be a theologian. You don't even have to understand it all the time. Open up a proverb uh, and, and say, oh, it's October 20th. I'll read Proverbs 20 with my spouse today. I challenge you to do this even once a week and sit there and pray with your spouse Get on your knees at the couch or just hold her hand across the table and say, God, we want to get on the same page with you. Like Pastor Fred said, I know in his message last week or the one before, he said, you have to get the vertical relationship right first. And then the the, the horizontal one clicks. But here's the truth. If you'll do them both together at the same time, that works too. If, If guys, especially, if you'll step up and lead that works. It really does. And, and so here's the number two. Give your spouse your best effort and attention. Guys, my big hobby, the thing that like just totally jerks my attention away is football. I love football. And I love it even more when my team, the Miami Hurricanes, are going to break the top five this week probably. All right, I get, I get jazzed about that. But you know what I've, I've learned? Um, part of what I had to give up in football was I don't really watch as many of my favorite team's games anymore. And, and it's not because I don't ever watch it. It's not because oh, I'm not a guy and, oh, hey, I'm going to do it. Yeah, I do. But, you know, at the end of the day, there are times where when I realize my wife needs my attention and, and my affection, I, I'm, you know what? If it's my hobby or it's her, she's going to win every time. You want to know what? Those guys playing football, they're not going to be there for me at 60 years old. They're just not. Your, your buddies and whatever hobby you're in, ladies, Whatever friends you're with having, you know, going out and maybe ignoring your family, ignoring your kids and heaping on your husband sometimes. I know it's tough. I know it's hard. I, I, I have four boys. My wife and I, we have a full appreciation. But you want to know what? Give your spouse your best. If it means saying, I'm going to cut out two or three nights a week of stuff I'm doing to give my wife or my husband full attention, I'm going to do it. If you do it and agree with God there, you'll be amazed at the results. And then here's the third thing. Make sure you know God according to Scripture. Get a relationship with God where you know him and you trust him. And here's a bonus. Remember how we said for the first group, stop sexual relationship? Married people, you're going to like this one. Guys, go ahead and smile ear to ear. Do not stop having sex. All right? Do not stop having sex. Do it a lot. You know, there are pastors that get, uh, they have like 40 days of sex. Now, we're not going to do that kind of thing. But where they challenge their married couples. But you want to know what? You would be surprised in nearly every marital problem, like where a couple comes and says, I need help with our marriage. And, and that's like deep sea. I'm not talking about like just a little scuffle. I'm talking about like it's deep rooted. They're like, hey, it's going to take a year or better to get this thing right. In nearly every instance, you ask, 
how long have you not had sex? And it is always a minimum of three months. And one time back in Florida, we had a couple say five years. And, I, and I'm here to tell you, I mean, we joke about it, but I want to tell you, it, if that part is not right, that's not a marriage, okay? That's not a marriage. Make sure you're doing that. And, uh, and otherwise, you want to, like the woman at the well who had five husbands because, you know, everybody's just trying to go outside to get their, you know, this need met and that need met and everything else. Now, two ways, and we're almost done. Christian friends can help. <clears throat> Number one, do not condone or enable sin. You know what? You can be a friend to someone without, like, condoning everything they do. You can be honest and real with them, can't you? And, and hey, I want to make this a call. If you're a person who's known Christ in the, and you're in the room today, and you're at Elevation Church and you plan on being a part, are there a bunch of people in this room that, are, that plan on being a part of what God is doing here? If, if you are, say amen. Yeah, hey, there are some people who are a part. If you are a more mature believer and you've known Christ longer, step up and get to know somebody out there at 10-minute party and, and help them get in their life. You know, don't stand on the sideline. Be someone who points other people to Jesus. And number two, offer resources and assistance if possible. There may be people who are convicted in the room today and realize, oh, that's the reason I can't get my relationship with Christ, right? It's because this other thing right here is blocking me. It's blocking me. My sin is blocking me. You may need to offer a spare room in your house if you're an older couple to, to, to help people obey God. Or maybe you can take them out to coffee and help talk it through. Wh whatever it is, help. Let's be the body of Christ to each other. But here's the best news. Check this out. It's on the screen. Hebrews 13, verses 20 and 21. You may be saying, Dave, I hear you. I get it. But I just don't know where it's going to come from. It comes from God. Here's what the Bible says. Now, may the God of peace who brought up our Lord Jesus Christ from the dead. That's a heck of a lot of power, isn't it? Heck of a lot of power. Raise the Lord Jesus from the dead. <laughs> that great shepherd of sheep through the blood of the everlasting covenant, Christ's blood on the cross. May he make you complete in every good work to do whose will? His will. Working in you what is well-pleasing and in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. You know what? God can make you complete. He will equip you if you'll head his way, if you'll strengthen your marriage, if you won't either be a roommate before marriage or you'll choose not to be a roommate during marriage, if you'll be a one-woman man or a one-guy lady. This is what God is after. Thank you for listening to the teaching ministry of Elevation Church. You can find out more about our church or listen to other messages at elevationbuildings.com. Thanks again for listening and have a great day.